Well, welcome, everyone. Um, if you weren't aware, yes, this is church. We are glad that you're here today. We're in part four of our spring series called I Love the 90s, where we have kind of been revisiting the decade of the 90s and also talking about our core values as a church and what it means to really be a follower of Jesus. Now, for me, the 90s was a decade of progress. It truly was. I mean, I was a middle school student, a high school student, and a college student in the decade of the 90s. And I, I shared this with you guys. I threw this picture up on the screen, I think, in week one. And I shared with you guys that I went through some changes in the 90s, okay? My entire teenage years, the biggest, you know, mental, social, physical growth that I experienced occurred in that decade. I mean, I went from crushing on her in the early 90s, then if you guys remember Clueless, can I see a show of hands? 90s reference, for those of you who don't know, you can Google it, okay? I went from crushing on her, Alicia Silverstone, to getting engaged to her in 1999. That's my wife, Julie. And uh, by the way, next week on Mother's Day, um, you guys are in for a treat because uh, my wife, Pastor Julie Vias, is going to be bringing the word to you guys uh, next Sunday. So you guys are going to definitely want to catch that. And I want to let everyone know, especially those of you who are watching online, we also have a really, really cool Mother's Day gift for all of our women um, next Sunday you must be present in order to get it. So I just want to prep you so nobody gets mad later or anything like that. I just want to let you know. Uh, but not, not just for me. I mean, many, many people have labeled um, the decade. In fact, historians have labeled the 90s as the decade of progress. Because in the 90s, we went from pay phones to cell phones. In the decade of the 90s, we got computers and the internet became available to everyone not to mention the rise of video games. And so for the last several weeks, we've just kind of been unpacking our core values as we've been talking about this decade. And if you guys remember, in week number one, we looked at the story of Philip and Nathaniel. And we saw this guy, Philip, and he has this encounter with Jesus, and it just radically changes his life. Like Jesus power washed his soul. He finds Philip. And the first thing that Philip does is he goes and he finds his best buddy, Nathaniel, and he tells Nathaniel about Jesus. He invests in his life and he invites him to have an encounter with Jesus. And Nathaniel, even though he was a skeptic, his life was changed forever. And so in week one, we talked about our first two core values as a church that loved people, love people, and that found people, find people. And then in week number two, we looked at Peter, probably the most famous disciple. This is the guy who walked on water with Jesus, remember? And, and we learned that Peter, when he got separated from the other apostles, when he got separated from his closest kind of community of believers, he drifted. And he denied Jesus not once, not twice, but three times. And so we talked about our third core value, that growing people grow with people, that we're not meant to do the Christian life alone, but we're meant to do it in community. And we told you guys about all the different small groups happening here and how that might be your next step to plug in. And then last week, we unpacked the story of the Good Samaritan. And we talked about this incredible truth that in the history of the world, and now we've got about 8 billion people on the planet, 
But in the history of the entire world, there has never been and there never will be someone exactly like you. That you bring talents and strengths and abilities to the table that nobody else on earth has. And God wants you to use those talents and abilities and strengths, not only in your church, to bless your church, but also to be a blessing in the world. And we talked about our fourth core value, that saved people serve people. That saved people serve people. And we shared with you guys the many, many areas of ministry where you can get plugged into here in your church. Well, in the decade of the 90s, we also experienced one of the greatest economic booms in our country's history. During a 10-year span from 1991 to 2001, 80% of new millionaires were first-generation millionaires living out the American dream. And so speaking of wealth and all that kind of stuff, today we're going to be talking about stewardship. And we're going to talk about how do we manage wealth in a way that would be pleasing to God. And since we're talking about money today, I think I might need a little bit of money to help me with kind of the big illustration today. So is there anybody here this morning that maybe has like a $100 bill on them? Is there anybody who has 100 Someone in the back over there. Awesome. Awesome. Can you, can you bring that up to me? Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much. I got a little bit worried. I looked around. Everyone's like, nope, not me. You carry $100 with you. That's pretty cool. That's awesome. Is that real? It's real, and I worked hard for this. You worked hard? Okay. All right. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. He said he worked hard for it, and he expects it back. We'll see about that. We'll see. I make no promises this morning. I make no promises. Thank you, though. Thank you. Um, I, will, I will do my best to return it to you, okay? But for now, it's going in my pocket. That's where it's going to go because uh, I think I might be able to have a nice dinner tonight. I'm kind of looking forward to that, okay? Just kidding. Um, but as we look at this topic of stewardship and managing resources, um, I, I especially want to focus in, and this message is going to be especially geared towards those of you who consider yourself to be Christians today, okay? So if you consider yourself to be a follower of Jesus, I'm especially speaking to you today. Um, if you're here today or if you're watching online today and you are not a Christian, like somebody invited you to church today and they promised you like a nice lunch afterwards or something, that's awesome. We're really, really excited that you are here today. But I just want to let you know you kind of get a pass today. Um, some of the stuff we're going to be talking about definitely can help your life. Um, I think it could do great things in your life. But you can also sit back and you have permission to laugh at the Christians here because this is something that they're actually commanded to do in Scripture. See, if you're a Christian, if you consider yourself a follower of Jesus, you need to understand that as a follower of Jesus, you don't serve money. Who do you serve, church? God, that's right. You serve God. He, he is your first love. And as followers of Jesus... God should be our number one desire. You are my fire, my one desire, right? As the Backstreet Boys song kind of says, like that should be God in our lives if we're a follower of Jesus. And, and so this is our big idea today. And we're just gonna kind of hit this and then we'll, we'll kind of unpack it a little bit. But here's kind of our big idea today. We'll throw up on the screens for you guys that God doesn't want something from us. He wants something for us. He doesn't want something from us. He wants something for us. God's desire for us is not to live like everybody else in our culture is living. 
paycheck to paycheck, no margin in our finances, carrying massive credit card debt, feeling incredible pressure and stress every day of our life. No, in fact, the Bible teaches us that the borrower is actually a slave to the lender. And we don't want to be people in bondage if we're followers of Jesus. So what do we do? Well, as followers of Jesus, we want to be a people who work to be out of debt, to not be in debt. And, and we have to be willing to do things a little differently. We have to be willing to give up some things we might desire, we might like for things that are better, for things that we love even more. In other words, we have to be willing in this world to be a little bit weird and to live a little bit different than most people do so that one day we can be a people who give like no one else on earth gives. We've got to learn to create margin in our lives, and that includes our finances. We're not going to be a slave to money and debt if we're a follower of God because we don't serve money. Who do we serve again? God. As followers of Jesus, we serve God. He is our first love. He is our first desire. Now, in this 90s series, we've been looking back, again, at the decade of the 90s, and we've had a little fun each week. We've, we've played a little bit of trivia. So before we really dive in today in this topic, we're going to do another trivia game. And today it involves 90s music. So I hope you're really kind of up on your 90s music. Today we're going to play a little bit of like Name That Tune. And again, I don't want you to shout out the answer if you know it. I want you to raise your hand if you know the answer to these things, and then we'll come around to you. And Abby's going to help me out today since Pastor Jim's um, is away this week. Abby's going to kind of be my person to help me out, and she'll kind of go around. Let's hear it for Abby, everybody. She's our Vanna White today. Thank you, Abby. Appreciate you. And um, again, raise your hand if you know the answer to these questions. And uh, if you do that, um, you're going to win this $100 bill. No, just judge. <laughs> just seen the look on his face right there. That seems like... No, 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 I won't do that. Um, as we've been in this series, we have some gift cards, right, Abby? You have some, some Dairy Queen gift cards if you know the answers to these trivia questions, okay? So here we go. Here we go. We're going to dive right into this. Um, and for our teenagers here today, if you were born after the 90s, I just want to let you know, you can whip out your phones for this one if you want to cheat, and you can use Google or whatever you need to and try to beat the adults and be faster than them with your phone if you want to on these, okay? All right, here we go. Number one. This pop king wrote this 90s song about money being the root of all evil. Here's your clue. Right in the middle, I saw, right? All the way in the back, in the middle. All right. Who is it? Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson is right. Some of you didn't know he was still doing music in the 90s, but yes. Yes, he was. Good job. Awesome job. All right. That was like an underhanded softball pitch, that first one right there. Okay, so they're going to get a little bit trickier. Here we go. Number two, this 90s grunge band, Ellen Dunn did this for you, sang a song idolizing money and fame called The Money Will Roll Right In. Do you remember this iconic 90s group? I think Ellen had her hand up first, too. <laughs> she told me at the beginning of the series, she's like, there better be 90s grunge. Nirvana. That's Kurt Cobain of Nirvana. That is Nirvana. That is correct. Good job, Ellen. Well done. Well done. Well done. Ellen posted on Facebook last night. I don't know if you guys saw that or not. She said the world was coming to an end because they were playing Def Leppard at the grocery store. I asked her if she was in the sugar aisle was my response to that, <laughs> that question. Some of you got that. If you were born after the 90s, Google it, okay? 
There you go. Um, all right, number three. Number three. Um, let's see here. This 90s band sang about how small things matter. And this is certainly true when it comes to managing our finances. Sometimes the small things matter. Who was the band that sang this song? All the small things, true care, truth brings. Backstreet Boys. No, that's not, that's not the Backstreet Boys. I see another over there. Chris LG, I think I see. Blink-182. Blink-182 is correct. Good job. Score point for the old people. Very good, okay. Next one, here we go. This famous 90s girl group pointed out that a man who doesn't live in his mom's basement, who has a job, and who can pay his bills is a very attractive man. Amen, women? But a man who can't do those things, he's just a scrub. Who's this group? I don't want no scrub. A scrub is a guy that can't get no love from me. Okay, TLC, that is correct. TLC, good job. Well done. All right, we got two more, two more. For those of you who like hip-hop and rap, here we go. This famous 90s rapper actually had it correct when he said, the more money you have, life doesn't get easier. It just causes more problems. Who was he? Who's this guy? Oh, is he right over there? <laughs> notorious B.I.G. The Notorious B.I.G. is right. Well done. Matt Pine, I, I, I look at you and I don't see the hip-hop rap guy, but apparently you are. That's street cred to Matt Pine right there. Okay. <laughs> this last one here. This popular 90s group with a famous lead reminded us of the stress of maxed out credit cards with this hit. What's the name of the group and who is the name of their most famous Member, here we go. All the way in the back? All the way? All the way in the back, I saw a hand shoot up real quick. Abby's getting her workout today. <laughs> Running around the sanctuary. Destiny's Child and Beyonce? Destiny's Child and Beyonce was a part of that group. That is correct. Good job. That's Liz Watts back there getting that. Well done. You guys did a great job. Give yourselves a hand with your 90s <laughs> trivia. Now, those 90s songs about money, um, you know, they bring back some memories. But today, we're going to talk about a powerful way that we can build margin in our finances and that we can be a good steward of our finances by reprioritizing and making God first. And this powerful principle, which is discussed throughout Scripture in both the Old Testament and the New Testament, um, it is the biblical principle of tithing. Now, here's our question for today. What is a tithe? Well, in church world, people often confuse or interchange the word tithing with the word giving, with the word giving. And so they'll say, oh, I tithe a little here, I tithe a little there, you know, whenever I want to, when sometimes, you know, God compels me and I feel his spirit too. And what they're really saying is I give a little here, I give a little there. But tithing is really not the same thing as giving. It's not. The, the Hebrew word that's translated as tithe is the word maser. And this word literally means a tenth. A tenth. That's what it means. It means 10%. 
A tithe is 10%. Now, I didn't grow up in a Christian home like my wife Julie did. I was a little Hindu Indian kid, you know, growing up in Upper Marlboro, Maryland. And so I didn't understand this principle. I wasn't raised with this principle. My wife, though, even when she was a little kid, like if she earned a dollar, she would go to church and she would put a dime in the offering plate. When she got a little older and she started babysitting and she made $10, she would put a dollar into the offering plate. I became a Christian as a freshman in high school. And when I was a young Christian, I think when I got baptized, I might have held my wallet out of the water when I went under, okay? I didn't really understand the principle of tithing very well at all. When they said that we should give 10% back to God, here's what I would do early on in my Christian walk. I would go to the local mall, the St. Charles Town Center Mall in Waldorf, Maryland, and I would go to the His Way Christian Bookstore, and I would take 10% of my paycheck, and I would buy some books or some cassettes. Teenagers Google that word or some of the newfangled CDs that came out in the 90s of my favorite Christian bands, DC Talk, Audio Adrenaline, Stephen Curtis Chapman, Amy Grant, Michael W. Smith. And I thought that was my tithe. I thought that was my tithe. That's what I would do. And so every month, I would go to the Christian bookstore and I would buy stuff. I would buy tacky Christian t-shirts. And it looked like it said the word Reese's on it, but it said Jesus on it, okay? By the way, don't, don't buy those. That, that just looks weird. It says, look at me, I'm a weird Christian. I, I would buy some of those bumper stickers for my car that said, in case of rapture, this car will be unmanned. Don't do that, by the way. If that actually happened, people would know something was up if that happened, okay? But I would go to the Christian bookstore every month, and that's what I would do. That's how I would spend 10% of my money. And then I would walk out of the store, and I would pat myself on the back. And I'd be like, man, I just tithed. I just gave 10% of my money to the Christian bookstore, and I got some really great stuff, too. That's awesome. Church, that's not tithing. Do you know what that's called? Shopping. That's right. That's called shopping. But a lot of people today, I believe, really don't understand what the tithe is all about. So let's look at the Bible and try to unpack this. What, what is tithing? Let me give you two definitions and thoughts. The first one is this. Number one, tithing is returning. Can you say returning? Returning. That was weak. One more time. Work with me, people. Say returning. returning. Awesome. Very good. Tithing is returning the first 10% of our income back to God's church. That's what tithing is. It's not giving to God. It's not giving 10% of our stuff up. God gives us 100%. Like everything we have is from God. But pastor, I work hard for my money. You probably do. Let me ask you a couple questions though. Who gave you your body? Who gave you your brain to be able to think and do work? Who gave you the air you breathe? Who gave you the planet you live on? All of those things were gifts from God. You can't outgive God. There's literally, literally no way to outgive God because He has given us everything. And if He wanted it all, He could take it all back like that because He's God. Tithing is simply trusting God enough to return the first 10% 
back to the God who's entrusted us with 100%. It's entrusting him back with 10% through his church. Leviticus 27, verse 30 says, a tithe of everything from the land, whether the grain from the soil or the fruit from the tree, belongs to the Lord. It is holy. It is holy to God. The word holy means set apart. That's what the word means. It means designated for a special purpose, for another purpose. Here in our faith tradition, the Church of Nazarene, we talk about the word holy a lot because we call ourselves a holiness people. What do we mean by that? We mean that we are set apart. We're setting our lives apart for God. We are loving God so much that we are trusting our lives to him. We are set apart to be used by him to be a blessing in the world. When we talk about God being holy, we're saying he is set apart. He is perfect. He is blameless. He's without sin. The tithe is set apart. It is holy. It belongs to God. Now, again, if you notice, I said tithing is returning, not giving, because technically that's what it is. It's returning 10% of the 100% God has given us. And I try to be as technical as possible because I'm married to the most technical woman in the world. My wife, Julie, many of you guys know, like her father was an Air Force engineer and their garage growing up might have been bigger than their house. And she spent a lot of time in that garage and, and she, like she, she loves being technical and building things and working with power tools. When we first started dating, I asked her what she wanted for Christmas, our first Christmas, and she said she wanted a cordless DeWalt drill and a reciprocating saw. And I knew I hit the lottery with her. I was like, praise God for her. She loves to build stuff. She loves to fix stuff. She is very technical and precise. And she and the Holy Spirit correct me when I'm not technical enough. Some of you men can relate to what I'm saying, okay? So again, being precise, tithing is not technically giving. It is returning what already belongs to God back to him. Kind of like this $100 that I got earlier today in this service. And you might have been thinking, you might have been thinking for the last 10 minutes, did the pastor just take $100 from that guy and just put it in his pocket? Like, do I need to call the police? Like, what kind of pastor is this? He just took $100 from that man over there. Here's why I took $100 from Brandon over there. Yesterday, Julie and I went and hung out with Brandon and Heather. Their daughter Leah had a birthday party, and our daughter Cassidy was at that party, and we were hanging out at their house. And I pulled this $100 out of my wallet, and I gave it to Brandon, and I asked him, hey, Brandon, would you hold on to this $100 for me until church tomorrow? And when I ask for it back, would you give it to me? And Brandon's like, maybe. <laughs> Thank you for giving it back to me, all right? And he gave it back to me this morning. Now, if I was God, I would have only asked for $10 back. And I would have let Brandon keep $90 of this. Unfortunately for you, Brandon, I'm not God. <laughs> Too bad, so sad, I got bills to pay, okay? So that's, that's not going to happen. But that was our little deal. 
But if I had been following the principle of the tithe, again, I would have only asked for $10 back because God is way, way better than me. I'm cheap. Don't judge me, okay? God is so much better. He trusts us with all of these resources, and then he asks us to trust him with just a little bit, with just a little bit. Tithing is returning the first 10% of our income back to God through his church. Number two is this. Tithing is giving God my first and best so he can bless the rest. Tithing is giving God my first and best so he can bless the rest. It's giving God our first and best so he can bless the rest. Proverbs 3, 9 through 10 doesn't just tell us to honor God with our spiritual gifts, which is important, and our time, which is important, and we talked about, and our service, which we talked about last week, which is important. But the Bible also tells us this in Proverbs 3, 9 through 10. It says, honor God with our wealth, with the first fruits of all our crops, and then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. We're going to talk about the blessings of God in just a couple minutes, but let's shift gears and try to answer this question first. Why in the world should we do this? You know, besides the fact that Scripture is very clear about this, why should we tithe? Because I, I can already see, just by looking out in the room today, that when the topic comes up and we're talking about money in church, people start to get uncomfortable. And some people are like, is it too late for me to sneak out the back? Is anybody going to notice? Because I'm just trying to get out of debt. <laughs> I'm just trying to pay off my credit cards, and now the pastor's going to guilt trip me in a message about money. And if that's you today... You might be wondering, like, why should I even do this? There are many reasons, but I just want to unpack three real quick today. The first one is this. Number one, tithing provides for God's work through the church. When you tithe, it provides for God's work through his church, the church for which Jesus died. God loves the church. And if you consider yourself to be a follower of Jesus, you should love the church too. I believe that through Jesus, the local church is the hope of the world. We are the hope of the world. That's why scripture says this in Malachi 3.10. It says, bring your whole tithe into the house that there may be food in my house. In other words, when you tithe, the work of God through the church moves forward. It provides for God's work in the church. Now, I want to dive off into a rabbit trail for, for just a second. I want to tell you, I am incredibly, incredibly proud of the way that our church utilizes God's resources to leverage the good news of Jesus into our community. As we worked to define our mission and our vision as a staff team and as a leadership board team, a lot of thought went into that process. We spent about a year in that process. And so if you don't know, I, I want to share this with you today. This is our, our mission at First Light South Portland Church. Our mission is to create experiences that light the way to a growing relationship with Jesus. That is our mission. We want to create experiences that light the way to a growing relationship with Jesus. And then this is the vision for our church, that we want to be a church where change takes place. We want to be a church that's all about life change. And the leadership here, both our staff and the leadership board, we work very hard to keep us focused on our mission and on our vision so that church isn't just about coming week after week, singing some songs, sitting in some rows, and then leaving the church unchanged, but that we as a community of believers actually are the church. 
that we are the hands and feet of Jesus in our community and in our world, impacting it for God. We want the people of our church to be all about living out a love relationship with God and applying his truth into our lives so that not only do we grow, but when we leave this building, that we're world changers, investing in people, inviting them to connect with Jesus, serving people with our time and our talents and our resources, growing with other people, iron sharpens iron, growing with other people, encouraging one another in our faith as we take next steps. We believe as we do that, God begins to change us, that we don't stay the same, that changed people change, that we began to change from the inside out into the people he's calling us to be. We move from the smaller story of us to the greater story he has for us. We believe that changed people change. And every year, we serve hundreds and hundreds of people in this community. Nearly 1,000 people in this community were blessed last year through our clothing closet ministry. We gave food out to hundreds of more, more people. Our Christmas blessing tree ministry. Absolutely, you can applaud that. We had several dozen families blessed through our Christmas tree blessing ministry where they were able to get toys for their kids, clothing for their kids, resources for their kids during Christmas time when they would have had probably nothing. We're involved with the transformation project that Hank is a part of, working with people in, in, in the prisons and helping to break cycles of recidivism in prison. We're over at Seaside at the nursing home helping you know, some of the least of these to feel the love of Jesus. Every single week, Monday to Friday, we have a daycare program here at our Lighthouse School where about 75 preschoolers are being shown the love of Jesus in their lives. Our weekend services impact lives. Our preschool and our children's ministry called Lighthouse Kids on Sunday morning. Our student ministry, you saw our student worship team today at Fuse on Sunday evenings. And we put godly mentors into the lives of our children and our students. And, and if you think the church just wants my money, I'll have you know, we don't charge for any of that. Zero. Every single one of those ministries is absolutely free. We don't stop any kid at the registration table in children's ministry and we're like, ooh, sorry, Billy. Your parents don't tithe. No craft or goldfish for you this Sunday. We don't do that. Every single kid that walks into this building, every single person that walks in this building, they feel the love of God. And again, in the last year, we've seen many people. We've seen children, teenagers, and adults receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And we've seen about a dozen of them in the last year go public with that faith through baptism. And let me tell you a big reason that happens. A big reason that happens is because many of you tithe. You tithe, we manage wisely, and the local church makes a difference in our community. Now, I'm here to tell you I believe the local church is the hope of the world. I love my church. I love it. And if, absolutely, you can applaud that too, Rita. Thank you. And here's the other thing. I'll, I'll, say, I'll get on a soapbox and say this one thing. 
I believe if every Jesus follower in our country would tithe and the churches would manage wisely, we wouldn't need the government to help people in need because the church would be doing it. The tithe provides for the work of God through his church. Why do we tithe? Number one, because it helps fund the work of God through the church. Number two, it teaches us to put God first. It teaches us to put God first. When you tithe, it teaches you to have margin and to put God first in your life. Here's what it says in Deuteronomy 14, 23. It's very clear. The purpose of the tithe is to teach you to always put God first in your lives. In fact, I would argue there are few more tangible measurements showing that you actually put God first in your lives. You show me your bank statement and your calendar, and I can tell you if God is actually first in your life through those two things. You can look at those two things and you can see real evidence of faith in people. And this isn't just money. We should put God first in our life in every single area if we're a follower of Jesus. Why? Because again, this is our next big core value that we're talking about today. Why? Because change people what? Change. They don't stay the same. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're constantly looking for next steps. You're searching your life. Is there any area where God's not first? I need to make him first in that area. That's a big core value for us. You want to have a great marriage? Put God first in your marriage. Guarantee you, you will have a great marriage. You want to have a great attitude all day long? Open up your Bible with your morning coffee. Pray and connect with him to start your day. You want your kids to have a good morning? Pray with them on the way to school as you're getting them ready. Here's the thing. It takes faith to give him first with our finances. If God gives me $100 and I give him 10 back and I make him first, it takes faith to believe he's going to stretch the other 90. If I give him just what's left over or whenever I want to or just if I feel compelled to on occasion, that doesn't require faith at all. Now, as a pastor, what I hear all the time is, well, pastor, you don't understand. You don't get it. For me to do that, for me to really do that, I would have to change, like, my life. I'd have to, like, completely reprioritize my life around God. Yes. Yes, that's true. Yes, you would. Yes, it takes sacrifice to put God first. Yes, it does. And when we as followers of God don't put God first in this area, Scripture actually says something. It says we're robbing God. This is what it says in Malachi 3.10. Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings. You're under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you're robbing me. Now, some people argue back, especially I've had religious people argue back, who don't practice tithing in their life. And some of them say, well, that's an Old Testament thing, Pastor. I'm a New Testament Christian. I'm not under the law. And to that, I want to say, first off, you need to understand that the tithe actually predates the law of Moses. So it's actually not a law at all. 
It's a biblical principle. Abraham tithed hundreds of years before Moses. Secondly, the tithe is found in not only the Old Testament, but in the New Testament. Jesus mentions the tithe. He actually affirms the tithe in Matthew 23, 23. Jesus is actually chewing out the Pharisees because the Pharisees always needed a good chewing out. They were a bunch of religious hypocrites for the most part. And he compliments them on one thing that they were doing right, and that was the tithe. Here's what he said. He said, woe to you, teachers of law, Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. So here's Jesus in the red letters saying, good job, Pharisees, you tithe. You got one thing right at least. You should honor God with that. But hey, you're forgetting all the other things. You're forgetting the offerings of love to your fellow man. Don't forget justice. Don't forget mercy. Don't forget the widows. Don't forget the orphans. Don't forget to love people in need. You should tithe, but that's just the beginning. That's just the start. Don't forget the stuff beyond the tithe. Don't forget that loved people love people. That's what Jesus was telling them. The tithe is just the beginning. So don't play the game of Old Testament, New Testament when it comes to this. Because let me tell you, New Testament Jesus, he takes the Old Testament standard and he raises it every single time in the New Testament. He takes the Old Testament standard and he makes it more difficult. He absolutely does. Old Testament says don't murder. Jesus says don't hate somebody. If you hate somebody, you've committed murder in your heart. The next time you have hatred towards an opposing political party, think about that. Think about that. That should make some of us pause with the way our society is today. Jesus says, don't even lust. The Old Testament said, don't commit adultery. Jesus said, don't lust. If you're like, whoa, you're at the gym, check her out. If you're like, whoa, Papa, want me some of that John Stamos, 90s reference, ladies. Jesus said, you just committed adultery in your heart. The Old Testament says tithe. Jesus said, uh-uh, it's not just 10%, it's your whole life. It's all of you. He commended the widow because she gave everything. Make everything you have available to God for his service. Your time, your talents, all your resources. Number one, the tithe that provides for the work of God through the church. Number two, it teaches us to put God first. Last one, number three, and then we're going to close today. Tithing builds our faith in God. Tithing builds our faith in God. It reminds us of this big fact that we talked about earlier. We cannot give God. We cannot give God. If we sat down today and we had a cup of coffee and you said, Pastor, I don't feel like I have a lot of faith in God right now in my life. A fair question for me to ask you is do you tithe? And I'm pretty sure chances are you're going to say no. Why? Because tithing builds our faith in God. And it's the only place in all of Scripture where God says, put me to the test. He does it in Malachi 3.10. He says this, test me in this and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. God says, don't believe me, just try me. Give it a shot. 
See if I won't prove that I'm real and that I'm faithful. I'm going to bless you beyond what you can imagine. And hey, here's the thing. Time out, church. I don't want anybody today to misconstrue what I'm saying or misunderstand me. This is not prosperity preaching that I'm sharing with you this morning. This is not my God is a cosmic slot machine, and if I put a little in, he's going to give me something back like me at the Christian bookstore. Okay? That's not what this is. God can bless us in many, many ways that doesn't involve money. You, you may decide all of a sudden, you know, in my marriage, <laughs> I've taken this big step of faith, and God comes through, and all of a sudden, you and your spouse have decided you're going to put God first in your finances, and you have greater spiritual intimacy in your marriage relationship, and you start growing closer together. And I'll tell you something right now. A great marriage is worth far more than more money. Some married people should amen that. It is worth far more. You can't buy that. Having children that are healthy and faithfully serving God. Watching my daughter up here singing in worship, that's priceless. How many of you would pay anything to see your kids sold out for Jesus? Priceless. Having friendships, people who, who do life together with you, who have your back through tough times, worth more than silver and gold. Having a church that feeds you spiritually and helps you to grow and take next steps to become more and more like Jesus. And you're challenged to use your gifts to serve and get out of your comfort zone, make a difference in the world. Tremendous blessing. And it's also possible, I mean, he's God. He can bless you financially as well. He can bless, though, in countless, countless ways. Those of you who tithe, you know these things. I mean, you have stories in your life. I've talked to many of you, and you've shared stories about how God has come through for you again and again and again, how you have seen his goodness, have you seen his faithfulness. In all the ways I just mentioned, God has blessed me and my wife, Julie, and our family since we put God first in our finances. God says, test me in this and watch. It builds your faith. So as we close, I, I just want to encourage you with this. The, the tithe is not something that God wants from you. It's really something that he wants for you. He wants you to have margin in your finances. He wants you to have freedom from debt. And most importantly, he wants you to have faith in him. He wants to be first in your life in every area. And, and here's the deal. For those of you currently not tithing, and 10% seems terrifying to you. My challenge to you is, where could you start? We showed a video a couple weeks ago of my son Lincoln taking his first steps. What would your baby step look like? The Apostle Paul teaches a, a group of new believers who are, who are Gentiles, who didn't know about the tithe, and they didn't have that Jewish heritage, and he taught them about priority percentage giving. He said, where can you start? So where could you start? Maybe it's 2%. Maybe it's 5%, and that's really going to stretch your faith. But take a step, even a baby step. It is going to grow your faith with God, and it is going to grow your walk with Jesus.
And on the other end of the spectrum, maybe there are some of you who, like my wife, you grew up in church. And you aren't struggling financially. Maybe you've been tithers for years. And for you, 10% is routine. It's ritual. It's religion. What would you have to give to start stretching your faith? Because as Jesus told the religious leaders, the tithe is just a start. Maybe for some of you, it's saying, you know what? Every month, I'm going to start giving an offering to the one in 100 fund to help people in crisis. I'm going to start doing faith promise every month above and beyond my giving. I'm going to give 12% this year, 15%, 20%. God, stretch me, stretch my faith. I'm going to prioritize you, God, with my time. I've been given a lot of money, but I don't volunteer very much. I'm going to start giving my time as well. What would stretch your faith? Why do we tithe? It's an act of worship. It's a tangible way of putting God first. It's saying, God, I'm going to make you first. I'm going to give you my first and best, and I'm going to trust you to bless the rest. You are my fire. You're my first desire. You're going to be number one in every area of my life. You can have it all. I love you, Jesus. Can we pray together? With heads bowed and eyes closed. Heavenly Father, God, I know a message like this is not always easy to hear. It's going to land in a lot of different places for a lot of different people in the room this morning, watching online. God, I just pray it would challenge us. Sometimes we need to be challenged. Sometimes coming to church and hearing a message isn't easy. Sometimes it's like somebody poking us on a sunburn. That's, that's really sometimes your Holy Spirit just speaking to us, saying, this is an area I want you to grow. This is a next step you need to take. And I, I just pray there's some men and women here today, maybe even some teenagers here today, maybe some grandparents here today who would say, God, I don't want to rob you anymore. I want you to be first in everything. You've given me everything. I want to give you the place you deserve in my life. And God, I'm scared, and I don't know what that's going to look like, but help me. Help me to do this. Help me to have faith. One step at a time. Lord, I pray that you would give us the wisdom to know what to do with what we've heard today and that you would give us the courage to take a next step, to take action, to do something about it because we don't want to be people who just sit in some rows for an hour on a Sunday and walk out of here unchanged. No. We believe that changed people change. God, we want to move from the smaller story of us to the greater story of you. Help us to do that pray these things today in the name of your son who gave his life for us for the church in Jesus name we pray amen amen can we stand together with our students and let's continue to sing the altars are open too if you need to get some things right with God and pray
God is good, and all the time. A quick reminder for, for those doing the parenting class, uh, parlor uh, today after church at 1130. Uh, let's pray. Lord God, you're so good to us. We're so thankful for the love that you pour out upon us each and every day, each and every week. And God, I just pray that your spirit would go with us this week into our homes, into our jobs, Lord. 
that you would open up our eyes to opportunities to share your love, your kindness, your grace with those around us. Lord, we ask that you would examine our hearts even now. Speak to us about the things that we need to change or to give up or to adjust in our lives, Lord. Whether that be with our wallets or with anything else, God. Lord, I just thank you for each person here today, each family that is gathered here and taking this time just to, to come and to be in your presence, to be in your house today, Lord. Pray a blessing upon their homes, upon their families. Pray this in your name, Lord. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Go in peace this week.